I've seen in rehearsals people who come in almost non-responsive and a light bulb will go off and their head will lift and their eyes will open and they will sing every single word from memory. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international presenter on how to respond to dementia behaviors. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer some practical insights, and share some emotional support. And hopefully we'll share a laugh or two because we all know laughter's the best medicine. Yes, it is. And in all our years together, you give me many reasons to laugh. Is that at me or with me? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've talked many times that family caregivers very often feel very, very isolated and essentially trapped in the house 24-7. And they need some way to get themselves and their caree out and about. And I know recently you got really, really excited when you read in our local newspaper about a dementia choir. Absolutely. We've been very aware for a long time in our journey about the effect that music has on people with dementia. But it's been centered around them listening to music, not necessarily participating in music. And the fact that a dementia choir not only gets people out of the house and interacting with other people, but tapping into a skill and something that they would enjoy, separate from, you know, concentrating on any cognitive disability they might have. And that brings us to today's guest, who is a vocalist, actor, teacher, producer, musical director, arts administrator, and conductor. He is currently the chief executive officer of Encore Creativity, the nation's largest and fastest growing choral and arts organization for older adults. He is working to leverage Encore to be the nation's thought leader on creative aging. He has been a featured soloist in countless venues, produced musical recordings. He has also directed numerous productions and been an entertainment leader, casting director, and vocal coach for Walt Disney Entertainment. Please welcome to Roger That, Mr. Joshua Vickery. Joshua, thank you so much for being with us and what you're doing. Yes, Bobby and Mike, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I wonder what you do in your spare time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have much of it, that's for sure. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> doesn't sound like it. You know, we usually start off, you know, talking with our guests about what brought them to the dementia world. Now, clearly music has been an important part of your life for a long time, but did you have personal caregiving experience, or, you know, seen it in your family members? What brought you into creating something as, as amazing as a dementia choir? Yeah, I haven't really had, you know, that personal experience as far as my own family goes, but I grew up in a pastor's home and surrounded by ministry. And in that saw many families affected by dementia and, and other, you know, uh, diseases that come with caregiving, just growing up as a child and as a teenager. So I've always had just an empathy for, for families that, that are going through this. 
But as I started the organization uh, it, back in Orlando, Florida, which I just moved here uh, to the D.C. area from there, uh, we really started to, to realize how powerful just, we've, you know, there's tons of studies about it, but how powerful actually seeing it and experience music is at all ages of life. Uh, but as we began this journey with dementia, the, the connection between music and memories is, is truly powerful. Yes, I've seen it firsthand uh, on a, a number of occasions dealing with uh, the music and memory program as a music therapist. And it's breathtaking, the reaching in and touching the person and having the person come out. That's, you, you can't put a price tag or a score on what that does. You know, there, there's something magical about it that um, when you hear it, you almost have to start moving. And you, we talk about different age groups and different levels of, of the spectrum. You know, I remember seeing uh, our granddaughter, she's about the age of two or three years old, and we were at an event in the park where a band that Mike was playing with on a summer evening, and the band started playing, and this, this little toddler girl ran right up to the stage and started dancing. And you can see that happen with older people as well, whether they're in wheelchairs or sit, just sitting in a chair, the music starts and they start moving. Yeah. And if it's a song that we know, then we start singing. Yeah, music is so much a part of your soul. It really is no matter what age, you know, when you ask people who love to sing or love music, you say, you know, when did you start singing? And most of the time they'll say, oh, I've been singing since the womb. You know, like it's just always been a part of who they are from as long as they can remember. And so music is definitely just an innate part uh, of us, uh, who we are as as humans. And it's it's a beautiful thing that connects all of us together too. You know, coming out of this pandemic, uh, we are, have seen that with older adults, social isolation has been a, a huge thing and music uh, whether it be singing virtually in choirs or just listening to music on YouTube or watching it on TV or whatever, but music has been something that has kept so many of our older adults connected. I know. I from the, from the time I wake up in the morning until the time I become unconscious asleep, <laughs> um, I have music running through my head. It's it's a constant thing, and and sometimes that song that's running through my head is one I want to get out of my head because it's been here for two or three days <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I can't get it out. I have to mm -hmm. go and forcefully try to remove it by putting something else in. Uh, but uh, I always, always have music running through my head. But I'm a musician, so that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when, when the choir is put together, is it completely... Um, people with a dementia, or is it a combination of their family members and the person with dementia? Yeah, so Encore Creativity for Older Adults is actually, you know, music and, and arts from the continuum uh, of ages. We, we want to keep people singing for life. So our organization starts at 55. So our Encore Chorales and Rocks programs, um, you know, those are for, for singers to come and to, to participate. And then when we get to the early to mid stages of cognitive impairment, that's when we have Sentimental Journey Singers, which is our, our dementia-related choir. Um, so that anyone can participate, and it's kind of self-selective, and but it is with a care partner. Uh, and so the care partner comes and participates in the choir rehearsals, and they sing together, and they hold sheet music together. 
Uh, and then we're also working on a, a third piece of this where it would be more mid to late stages of dementia. We're working on a couple pilot programs where it's more than just a sing-along. There are some therapeutic outcomes uh, to what we'd like to do with that program. So we're trying to keep you know, from 55 all the way, uh, a continuum of singing for, for the entirety of life. What do you mean when you talk about the therapeutic program in addition to? Yeah, so uh, music therapists here, Mike, will, will know this very well. <laughs> music therapy is very different than having music ther music programs that have therapeutic outcomes. We want to make sure we make that really clear and delineate between those two. Uh, but we want to make sure that there are things that are happening. We work with music therapists to create the curriculum and to create movement to go along with music and all the different things. So we want it to be not that a sing-along isn't uh, wonderful on its own, but we get to that mid to late stages. We want there to be some type of movement in, in memory as we as we have these programs. Movement in memory, meaning physical movement or? Yeah, physical movement okay. and, and being a part of it, being immersed in the in the program. I saw... On, on your website that there's no auditions, you don't have to be experienced, the ability to read music is not necessary, and you get to participate regardless of ability. So somebody like me that uh, is not a singer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. <laughs> everyone can participate. Yeah. And that's why I love the beauty of our name Encore, right? It's this, we're in this stage of life where we're in our Encore and we can do new things and try new things. And so we have people who have sung their entire life. Uh, they sang in high school and college and it was a part of their life. We have people who were professional singers and we have people who have never sung in a choir before. They just love to sing in the choir, in the sh shower or their car or whatever it may be. And this is their first uh, choral experience. I'll tell you, I can rock out in a car. <laughs> but most people can, Mike. <laughs> but you ask me to harmonize or do something like that, yeah, game over. <laughs> we have really amazing professional conductors and educators. And so they really meet our singers where they are. And they take them on a journey of teaching them through about music and, and how to look at the sheet music and, and all of those things. So it's amazing what, how much we can learn about music and about singing. I worry about this. This is what happens to me when I sing. Like when I was a Girl Scout leader and we had somebody come in and we were singing. This happens every single time. Somebody's flat. <laughs> <laughs> and I worry about my inability to do what I'm supposed to be doing, being distracting to somebody who's really good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, these are large ensembles, large groups of singers. And I think there is a little bit of self-selection in that, <laughs> making sure, right? I think that, but it's very rare that we have someone that is actually a dis distracting. You know, we want people to have fun and to have a blast with the music. So it is a, a wide variety of experience in, in our singers, uh, but most everybody can, can can carry the tune. Now, I, I would ask if, um, so you have somebody who's really, really good singer and somebody who's not a good singer. Is there that core understanding or that basic underlying value of, hey, we're all here to have fun and enjoy ourselves, as opposed to being selected for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, if you will. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, there is. You know, what's beautiful about Encore Creativity is that not only is it about singing, and it's about, you know, putting on great quality performances, but it is about being a part of a community. 
you know, it's being a part of building new friendships and new relationships and kind of finding your third place. So many of our older adults uh, just love being at Encore. You know, they do travel and summer camps and retreats and they, you know, they go out to eat after after rehearsal. So it is more more than just the singing. You know, that's really the vehicle to create create community. And so many of our singers help each other, right? If you've got a singer who has a lot of experience and knows how to read music, they'll partner up with a singer who it might be their first season or second season and help them with it. So that's a kind of a natural thing that happens in Encore. So that's an interesting segue because one of the other questions I wanted to ask you about was I saw on your website that you have music camps for grownups, as you say. And again, it's 55 plus. So talk about a music camp and other music camps for people, uh, the dementia and the care partners? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, to answer the, the second part first, we do not have a summer camp uh, for people with dementia, their care partners yet. Uh, Sentimental Journey Singers is a very new program for us. It actually launched in 2019, right before COVID. And so we had just started a couple of the locations and getting the program going. And then we had to move online, which, as you know, that really isn't the most effective way to have programming. So we're just getting ramped up again. But that is a goal for sure, is to have these special programs and opportunities uh, for the Sentimental Journey Singers program as well. So not yet, but that's definitely something we'd love to do. Uh, but they are camps. They're just like summer camps you would have as a teenager. There is uh, classes and workshops and rehearsals and fun time. And we bring in special guests uh, to do performances at night. We have dance parties. We have talent shows. Um, it is it is absolutely a blast. And we do three of those summer camps. Uh, one is up in Chautauqua uh, in New York. And two are over in Washington College uh, on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Well, I have to imagine that with these groups that you're bringing together, there's stories coming out. You know, when somebody connects with a song, they'll say, oh, I remember that happened, or this brings back this memory. And in doing that, you're also helping people with cognitive impairment reconnect with their loved ones. So that's that's another part of this that's um, so important. And if you have any stories like that, that you would like to tell either from the Encore group or the dementia group or the work in the memory facilities, you know, a story or two to share with our listeners. I'm sure they'd love to hear one or two of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful point to talk about the connection between the care partner and those uh, dealing with early stages, mid stages of dementia. You know, a lot of times uh, that's a, uh, you know, this better than anyone. It's a tough journey. And so many times our, our, the care partners really kind of lose glimpse or lose sight of their loved one as they're going through this journey. And what's so beautiful about music is that, as you mentioned, that music and that memory is recollected. And so I've seen in rehearsals, uh, people who come in uh, really just almost non-responsive and a little bit sometimes uh, confused about why they may be at that rehearsal when they loved it the week before. Uh, they they aren't able to articulate to us that they are excited to be there or even want to be there. And so they'll sit in the rehearsal and they'll be completely, uh, you know, not involved, not engaged. And then a song from when they were married or when their kids were growing up or what they used to jam out, you know, in their car on from from those early years. And a light bulb will go off and their head will lift and their eyes will open and they will sing every single word from memory. 
and their loved one, I think it's beautiful. It has been beautiful to watch the person dealing with memory loss kind of come to life in those memories. But I think it's even more beautiful to watch the care partner sitting beside them and seeing uh, just a glimpse of, of, their, of their loved one uh, in that moment. It's really powerful. Well, not only that, but the care partner sitting there and watching there be some joy in their loved one's life for how long or how short that time is, that is time that there is joy as opposed to the memory loss. I'm focusing on the memory loss. So yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'm sure that they get their satisfaction uh, out of seeing it themselves. Yeah. And I think what's also really beautiful, you're exactly right, Mike, is that emotion that they get to see. Uh, what we've heard from care partners over and over again is that residual effect for for a day or two after the rehearsal is that some of that that joy lingers and they're able to see a difference, uh, not just in the moment, but in the time following that. And so our care partners very much look forward <laughs> to rehearsals mm -hmm. and being able to share that experience with their loved ones. You know, a, a lot of people who are dealing with, with dementias are people that grew up in the big band era. Mm. And those, those people, like my parents did, they danced a lot to a lot, you know, a lot of show tunes, a lot of music that was developed just for that. And sometimes in a dementia, when somebody goes back in time and they don't necessarily recognize who their partner is at this particular age, they hear that song and they they could fall back in love with their partner all over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when my dad was here for a visit shortly before he passed away and picked up a picture of my mother's high school graduation picture. And you could just see him re-engaging with her as he thought about watching her walk to school and thinking, oh, wow, that, that's a girl I want to get to know. <laughs> and if this music comes on and they remember dancing with that person, you know, when they were in their 20s or, you know, he's about to go off to war or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see you know, how powerful that connection can be. And it's also interesting that you mentioned dance. And that's part of that power of movement, because a lot of times the dance is a part of that memory, right? So mm -hmm. we've seen so many times our, our singers just get up and start dancing kind of, you know, unprovoked or, you know, it's yeah. just a part of, of that feeling and that moment and that experience. So dance is a huge part of it as well. You know, I, it, it, takes me back to a time I was with um, at a facility and was playing music for the person with dementia and the care partner was there and we had a uh, splitter for the iPod so they both were listening to the same music on headphones uh, from from the iPod iPod iPad whatever it was mm, back in the iPod, day yeah <laughs> yeah and the person with dementia the husband, he started singing and the wife started singing with him. And there was that recognition between the two of them of singing together hmm. way back when. And you could just see their whole physique, their facial expression and everything changed. Four or five songs. They sat there singing together like nobody's tomorrow. 
belting out a tune. And it was just, you know, I still get chill bumps when I when I think about it, let alone when I was there. I mean, the chill bumps were as big as warts. <laughs> <laughs> because it was such it was such a wonderful thing that they were able to engage for that period of time to what they used to do all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Yeah, the connection between music and memory and, and brain health is still a pretty new topic. You know, this is some, it's something that only been talked about in the last 10 to 15 years uh, from, a, from a clinical perspective. And so, you know, there's, there's quantitative data and then there's qualitative data, right, as you're doing white papers and research and things. And so they're still fleshing out the quantitative data, but the qualitative is what you see and what you hear and what you feel. And it's really beautiful to watch these programs and to see this with your own eyes. You know, you can read about it in a book or read about it in a research paper, right. but to see the power of music, uh, as you were just saying, you know, goosebumps as big as warts. It's it's really a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, and I, I I encourage anybody that's listening that might be a care partner or or a family to get get involved in music programs. Uh, have music be a part of your life uh, on the daily. Yeah, I know with my dad, he grew up in Italy, so opera was mm. the thing. And he, I would put it on the CD player, and he would listen to Pavarotti or Mario Lanza from back in the day, and he would just sit back and close his eyes, and you can see this smile creep on his face mm. that he was back in the moment. Uh, we watched uh, DVDs. I bought DVDs of Andrea Bocelli. And we would watch the DVDs together. And again, he would just, he didn't have a whole lot of joy at that point in time. But boy, when that music came on, that opera music came on, that joy was there. Mm. And you want to keep doing it and keep doing it. But of course, the more you listen to music and the longer you listen to music, you kind of want to. <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> well, I have to say, your, your dad, in, in all of the time that I knew him, was not a joyful person. You know, he was rather no. a dour person. But then when he had some of these moments of clarity and he, and he talked about when he was a young man in Italy and dancing the tango in the foxtrot in the waltz at the Saturday night dances, that gave me a whole new perspective on this man um, mm. because it was very rare for him to talk to any extent at all about anything. But when he did that, and of course that all involved music as well, so that was very much a part of the joy of his life before he became sick. Mm. And, and Joshua, for your edification, my dad at a very young age was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. So the... Uh, antipsychotic drugs, mm. right, which are a total downer. So, you know, he wasn't so much a negative person as it was. He was, he was on this medication mm. that he was drugged. Mm. Yeah, starting from like 1949 up through 1960, he was, he was in a mental institution at a time when the drugs were so powerful wow. and, and did untold damage to people's ability to recover from that. Yeah. It wasn't like he was negative Nicky or anything like that, because <laughs> uh, we all know those those people. But most of his was because he was on these antipsychotic drugs. Mm. So when you did have those times of joy, or that big smile on his face, that big toothy smile, mm. it was amazing. Mm. That not only could it re- reach past the dementia, but it could reach past the drugs. Mm. 
Now, to change the subject a little bit, it says, you know, we have notes that you work with memory facilities. Are there particular facilities that you work with on a regular basis, or how do these places reach out to you? Yes. So um, as I mentioned, we started in 2019 and then really had to pause over COVID. So we're just, you know, relaunching the program. We currently are working with Goodwin House in Alexandria, Virginia, and we're working with Insight Memory Care uh, in two locations, in Fairfax and in Sterling. And then we just formed a partnership with the Anne Arundel uh, County uh, Department of Aging and Disabilities to uh, start a program at the Pasquale Senior Center in Glen Burnie, Pasadena. But I won't mention their names on here, but we're talking to four or five other wonderful organizations and we're in exploratory conversations with them. So this is one of those things that word is starting to get out that we're interested in expanding this program and making this program available. And I'll also say, uh, Barbie, Bobby and Mike, that this we're trying to make this program completely free uh, to, to everyone who wants to experience it and their care partners. So like Insight Memory Care and Goodwin House have both been incredible, cr- incredibly gracious sponsors to make these programs available for free uh, for members. So uh, that's the goal is to really make this a community offering. Yeah, we've we've done some work with both of those places. They're wonderful to work with and a few others. And uh, hopefully yeah. when we become aware of how your program is expanding, we can say, oh, we know those people too. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, yeah. Goodwin, House, Goodwin House is amazing. You know, Goodwin House is where Encore Creativity got its start uh, back uh, 15, over 15 years ago uh, because uh, on Doc, uh, Gene Kelly, who was our founder, was really uh, commissioned by Dr. Gene Cohen as he was doing the creative aging st- study with the National for the Arts to start a program at Goodwin House as a pilot program. So that was the very beginnings of our of our organization. And now here we are uh, 15 years later in 26 different communities and cities. It takes about that long to become an overnight success. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure does. <laughs> to, to, to quote the phrase, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I just just want to point out i was on your website and there's a number of videos of the courses and they're amazing mm-hmm. and like we talked about earlier no auditions no don't have to have experience no ability to read music regardless of ability the fact that you, you can have, be a little flat <laughs> the, the fact that you have folks on staff your conductors and your and um your, your music leaders can pull that out of folks of various degrees of ability or inability is absolutely breathtaking amazing. And I urge our listeners to go to the website, and we'll have a link to it on our website, to go to the website and listen to the videos and then hopefully come see it in person. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That's one of the beautiful things about Encores, although it is not auditioned, an incredible experience our educators and conductors do work really hard to create a quality musical experience. We want our older adults to sound the best they can and experience the best musical uh, moment that they they possibly can. Right. Yeah, for many of them, it may be something they feel pride in that they haven't feel proud of themselves in a long time. Mm. I think what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad that Bobby read that article in the newspaper (laughs) about the dementia choirs and that we reached out and you agreed to um, join us on our podcast. And uh, I thank you so very, very much for being a guest with us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for, for having me and thanks for sharing the good work 
of Encore Creativity. And thanks to both of you for, for all that you do uh, in music and for dementia and care partners. Again, thank you so much for being with us. And we uh, will be following you, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. Thank you. <laughs> You know, we often talk about music programs, and it's. I'm glad to hear from Joshua that it's becoming more and more well-known, and the therapeutic benefits of music is becoming more and well, well-known. You know, I, I took very few notes this time because I was so engaged with what he had to say in the discussion about the importance of music. Same here. <laughs> but I do want to mention the Sentimental Journey Singers and the Encore Choirs. As we've said, follow them on, on their Facebook page and listen to the wonderful work that they're doing. Absolutely. And I know, to me, the fact that the no experience, anybody who wants to can, regardless of ability, they get to play. They get to have a seat at the table. And that is a tribute, as he said, to the educators and the conductors, and my hat's off to them. I don't, and I don't want to leave without talking about it. It's something that someone with a dementia and their care partner share together. They're looking at the music yes. together. They're singing the music together. And it's creating moments that once that person has passed, that care partner will carry with them for the rest of their lives. You bet. You bet. You can find more information about Joshua and links to the Encore Creativity webpage and Facebook pages on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.